Welcome to the Grit and Grace space. Come along as we explore experiences, cultivate community, and grow our appetite for adventure. Here we go. I am so excited to bring the most perfect first guest to the Grit and Grace space today that is Shanna Shuline O'Bannon. Shanna is my best friend from college. We dove together at Auburn and lived together for two years and went through the highs and lows, ups and downs of D1 athletics. That bond has continued and eight years later we're here recording in Destin, Florida where her family has come from Oklahoma City for a beach vacation and I was lucky enough to tag along for the weekend. Before we get into it, Shayna is one of the most kind and considerate, smart, like brilliantly smart, servant-minded people that I know. She taught me the phrase, what can I do to help? not directly it was more indirectly by you know listening and watching and being around her that I learned I'm not asking you do you need help I'm asking you what can I do to help you how can I serve and so that's just a little flavor of who Shanna is Shanna and I have talked about this since college But our dynamic at Auburn was interesting because we were both divers, so we competed against each other for qualifying spots, for SECs, for points for our team. And so we competed against each other, but we also were each other's only companion really going through the same challenges at the same time. We were the only two girl divers in our class. So when we started at Auburn, there were two girls who were seniors when we were freshmen. And then our freshman, I guess our sophomore year, two girls came in the class below us. And so it's not like we were ever alone but we were being in the same class together going through you know unique circumstances so that meant we really in some cases only had each other to lean on or vent to or you know celebrate with and so this it was an interesting dynamic because on one hand we were competitors and then on the other hand we really were the only other person for each other. So after graduating in 2015, we got to sort of drop that competitive component of our relationship. And I personally feel like our friendship has just continued to blossom from there. Something that I didn't really realize until about four years later when we were on a bachelorette trip for Shanna was this epiphany of really how selfish and maybe 
me-minded I was in college, and that was partly out of being in survival mode and partly a product of how I grew up, and that's a podcast for another time, but I wish I had had this realization sooner that probably would have helped us become closer earlier on, but God has perfect timing. I could have been a better friend. I guess since that realization, I have a whole nother level of gratitude for Shanna and for being a friend to somebody who wasn't necessarily maybe the best friend back and just loving me through that and now we don't see each other very often she lives in Oklahoma and I live here in Georgia but it's our friendship is one of those now that when we do get together in person it feels like no time has passed and when we do text each other it's really intentional and just connected on on a level for me that's hard to describe but I'm so excited to share our conversation with you today for you to meet Shanna and we will get into it Today we are here with the one and only best friend in the entire world, Shanna Shuline O'Bannon. Did you ever change your name, your middle name? I did change my name. I okay. moved my last name to my middle name. Okay, yes. so Shanna Shuline O'Bannon. <laughs> Shanna Shuline. Mrs. O'Bannon, and I guess the background here is we both met a little bit before starting college together. We were both divers from Oklahoma and from Florida and started at Auburn in 20 freaking 11. Yikes. Long time ago. A long time ago. (laughs) And since, I don't know, it's like one of those things that's such a, like, for me at least, you sort of know in the moment and like go through different seasons, but throughout those seasons, it's like such a, a sweet and like forever friendship that now... 12 years later right yeah we're still like we don't have to talk every day but whenever we do talk or whenever we are spending time together it's like we never there wasn't any time or distance in between that so we are here today to talk through a few different topics where our backgrounds have influenced maybe where we are today and how that is constructive or maybe destructive for where we are now going moving into the next stage of our life meaning specifically like we both turned 30 this year and we both are have been married for a little bit without we neither of us have kids we're proud dog mamas (laughs) and that next stage of life is it does feel a little looming yes something that a friend said was you are learning how to be the age you are at 
the time. So you're sort of taking what you know and trying to like be wise, but also have the humility of like, I don't know what's going on <laughs> and I don't know what I'm doing. And I still feel like I'm 22, except for my clothes fit a little different. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, so that is the introduction here. Do you have anything to sort of add to the introduction or thoughts? Um, I mean, Chenzi and I have been friends for almost, I mean, 12 years now. So yeah. a minute, and I feel like like we know each other well. I think we both moved into like separate career roles, which I think like for me, being somebody who's like the one being interviewed is almost a little bit like roles reversed for me. Oh yeah, a little bit. So. But I'm just excited to be here. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, so I guess for context there, your therapist mm-hmm. also counts. Is it the same term? Is yeah. it interchangeable? Therapist, counselor. Yeah, so. In Oklahoma. In yeah. Oklahoma, working primarily with like children, mm-hmm. like high school children. And was that sort of the group, age group that you were working with in your practice? Uh, I feel like that's probably the age group I feel most like comfortable Mm -hmm. with, but I've worked with like a lot of different ages from like three to 55. Wow. So that's like a full spectrum of different perspective and life experiences and circumstances. So, yeah, so most of the time you're asking the questions <laughs> and curious about what's going on, so this will be fun. Okay, so I guess just a little bit of background to introduce this question and then context for the audience. We both are grade A people pleasers, <laughs> and not to speak for you, but we both, I feel like, could I, can identify with a perfectionist mentality and... For me, that comes from, like, a family dynamic where that's how maybe love was shown through achievements or maybe conditional love in that sense. But I guess from your perspective and your family dynamic, where do you feel like that maybe perfectionist, or you said earlier today it was very intrinsic versus extrinsic. I feel like, like, I think for, con- like, context, I guess both Chenzi and I are the oldest, and I'm not trying to say, like, like that role makes a difference in those attitudes, but I think it plays a role in that, and I think for me, like, just internally, like, I'm, I'm kind of an anxious person, I like things to be, like, perfect, I don't like to mess up, and not in, like, a, I was afraid I was going to get in trouble if they weren't that way, but more of a, like, I... I wanted always to like not make a mistake or the, be the best and so I feel like and the sports that I was in always kind of like fostered that like I did gymnastics and then I moved to diving where like being perfect was rewarded right. and not that like in school I think my parents tried to like lessen the pressure of that because I they knew I did that too myself of like Mm. if I don't make straight A's like that's and my parents are like it's okay like you don't need to study tonight but I think internally I was just like oh like I want to be the top student I want to be the best diver I want to be the best gymnast and so I think for me it felt rewarding Mm. to like be do that to have those results yeah like when that 
drive produced the intended result. It was even more satisfying and then like that loops just sort of continued. But I think so outside of that, something that I learned from you in college, I I experienced this from you when we were in college, but I don't think I truly learned the value and the meaning and the intent behind it until much like four or five years later honestly was when I realized it but all along you're also such a servant-minded leader and friend and sibling and I'm curious if that was something that was shown to you or demonstrated or if that came from like a place of like questioning or caring like where do you feel number one I guess do you feel that you're that way or number two like where do you think that sort of came to be part of your personality I think a lot of that like is learned behavior and that like both my parents and my grandparents like on both sides that was a big deal to just like make everyone not only feel included but like help people that maybe they didn't even know they needed help. I mean, my mom's been a therapist my whole life. My dad, even in his roles, like, he he's such an inclusive person. And I think, like I said, my grandparents on both sides, like, that's something that they fully pushed. Mm-hmm. Is like, you need to be, whatever you have, like, you need to make sure people are okay and like you're giving back to those people around you so mm, I, love I would that. say definitely yeah. family family mm. and so do you see that so you have a younger sister four and a half ish years mm-hmm. younger than you right four five She's I four. guess yeah, four yeah. years younger than you. And eight days. <laughs> four years and eight days, precisely. And do you see that a lot in her as well? Or, like, are there interesting dynamics as a younger child or, I don't know. Oh, I see that in her as well as she is, like, a helper. Like, I think even when she's like, I want to do entertainment law, one of the things she really loved was doing legal aid, which is mm. basically a nonprofit legal counsel and I don't know Anna's a giver so I think and it and maybe a different way than I am because I feel like maybe my strength is maybe more like having a conversation or me she is just a like she's just a full giver of anything she has like shirt off her back she's gonna give it to you Mm, so like maybe more tactical yeah she's Mm. Was she the one who wanted to be a veterinarian when yes. she was a kid? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Save all of the animals. Save all the animals. Aw. Yes. She's still saving animals, but, like, yeah. walking on two one legs. One at a time. Like human animals. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Also, little, little yeah. kitten. Okay. So, you... A value that you said was installed in you through family was helping and giving and has that ever do you feel like that has ever been an obligation at any point in time or or maybe like 
a crutch to escape and I don't want to put words in your mouth but is are there certain points in time where that's more of a like an easier route to take or has it always just been like an empathy you have so much the most empathy I've ever experienced in like a friendship or relationship and I'm curious if that's where that's the root of it 100% of the time or if there are certain points in time where that giving and serving is is easier than maybe sort of going through what you might be going through I think those are great questions. I think there's been times where, yes, it is easier for me to work in a situation where I can be more empathetic. I think as, like, a therapist, it's important for me to recognize, like, when that empathy is taking over maybe the rational side of me and when, like, that is important for the other individual in the room. I think through that education like I've learned a lot about myself and and knowing those limitations I think we as humans like we find it easier to be empathetic when like things are going well or like that kind of situation and I think maybe when things aren't going as well it's hard to be as understanding of other people and how and what's going on in their life so Yes, I would say, like, it is easier at different times, but I think it's hard to know what someone's really going through all the time. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I think my job as, like, a therapist is just, like, to hold that space for someone to be able to process what they're going through. And not necessarily do I have to be empathetic, but I need to be there to, like, hold that space. Right, and that's so profound where you're... It's not by just being a body in a room, you're doing your job, quote unquote, but you're you're being exactly what that person needs and helping somebody else heal, even though you're like surface level or like a fly on the wall would be like you're not doing anything but your like aura and essence and like patience and kindness even if there are no words spoken is is a factor that helps people you know just process whatever they're going through and that's so interesting I feel like because you're going through stuff too as the person holding that space for other people I'm, I imagine that in those sessions you're carrying a lot home with you sometimes. Have you found like specific ways to decompress or is that more like a time release thing for you? I think for me like exercise has become that over time and like uh, not so much like vigorous exercise. It's like I'm going on a run but like maybe mm-hmm. just a walk. Mm-hmm. I also think people are just amazing and the amount of things that they can handle at one time is incredible and so while I'm like wow what an honor to be able to hold this space and be able to process these things with this person I'm also like what an like you're doing that Mm. and so sometimes I think just being able to to be like look at all the things you've already done and already made it through Mm -hmm. that's pretty cool yeah we we are not crying to the for the audience we are not crying here but 
we would not tell you if we were. So you can start a Reddit thread and tell us if you think we are or not. <laughs> so I guess we we are both f- first children, and like you said, not that that's like a dictation of I guess what sets us apart from maybe our younger siblings, but it is something that we have in common in contrast to that there we talked a little bit earlier about there's our drive comes from maybe different places and he talked about where that comes from comes from for you but as and you also talked a little bit about how that manifested in as a student and as an athlete going from being an athlete and being a student as those kind of chapters are closing in a sense as we get older is there are you seeing that drive continue to play out as specifically in this next chapter of your life or do you still feel that or has it sort of just changed I don't know I I think those are a lot of great questions we you and I've kind of talked about this before when we talked about this idea of like going into college the goal was to be coachable mm-hmm. and like you wanted to be coachable and being coachable means like understanding what the coach is saying being able to make the correction and I think like as I've like started through my career and probably similar to yours there was this need to be to be coachable mm-hmm. and now I'm coming to a point where I'm like okay but these are like my ethics and these are the ethics that I'm supposed to abide by and so I'm I'm less I think it sounds silly like I'm less willing to be coachable mm. and more like you know these are the values and these are the standards that I'm going to hold like in my career if you don't hold those then I'm going to have to make a change right to so something different and less of like I'm going to bend to your rules mm. I'm these are like what you know, I'm supposed to abide by with these ethical values, but also like ones that I've made to protect myself as well. Mm. I my picture, like when you describe that, I envision like a body or a being that's like pulling people up and in to to where you are and where you hold yourself versus making that call and like cutting people off. You're more like no, this is this is good and right and loving. Let me pull you into this space. And that's so... Not only is that, like, such a, a kind and loving position, but it's so strong the way that you just described that. Is there, like... It, and I... It sounds like the way that you described that is a big shift from maybe where we were when we were in undergrad as like trying to be coachable and I I think that people pleasing is still in us just presents a little bit differently but it sounds like there's so much strength in your sense of self now than I I mean I really appreciate that it makes me feel warm and fuzzy I think it is different now because I'm not I'm not trying to be this like coachable diver that like needs to do all these things like at this point in my career I need to do what's best by the people that I'm seeing not necessarily like Mm -hmm. boss it I hate to say boss it but it's true like 
if that's not the best thing for my client or or for me, like maybe that's not the place I need to be. So I think that's been a real lesson, just even like starting my career versus now. Like yeah. this isn't, this is doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And you, so it sounds like you've been in circumstances where you've had like bosses or leaders or whatever, I mean, whatever it was, ha- having different expectations of you where you were like no this isn't the best thing for my clients so not in disobedience to the leader but more so advocation for the clients and so how did you navigate that I mean ultimately you're not there anymore but I think for me like the very first job I had out of undergrad I was like thrown into a classroom teaching seventh grade science and like I knew enough about the the scientific knowledge was not the problem. It was like managing the classroom and the school I was at. I was I was like this is going to be a challenge, and it, and it was. But I think it gave me a lot of like confidence in being like you know what this is something I feel comfortable with, and this is something that I don't. Mm. And I think leaving undergrad and like. At this point, I'd been to a little bit of graduate school, and I was like, I don't like this, and and my confidence has really been shaken, and then I'm put in this classroom, and I'm like, I really don't know what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. but then to be like, you know what, this is what my boundaries are, this is what I'm okay with accepting, that that was a real learning curve for Mm -hmm. me, was being in a place where, like, I was, I hate to say, like, almost the rule maker Mm -hmm. of what what this room was going to look like and how are we how are we going to create a classroom where everyone was learning but we all mutually like respected each other because we were all coming from someplace different but we needed something to like unite us and Mm -hmm. that was probably someplace that I was like okay this is where I have to pull from internal where am I gonna yeah create some confidence Right, and then going from, I guess, where your, like, headset and disposition was at the beginning of the school year through the end of the school year, probably even further solidified, like, okay, I've figured this out, and I'm doing the right things, and if I can get this group of people to be on board with these things, then there's something there, even though it... It it was, and, like, in the school I was at I was not only like was I one of the only female teachers that for that grade I was also the I mean I hate to say I was the only white teacher in the building for Mm -hmm. two grades and so I was like and they made and everyone just like I had some amazing colleagues that were just like this is how like this is how you run a classroom and this is how you do this and also, like, fostered my confidence as far as, like, maybe just because I was, like, a little bit different, it was okay to still be confident in who I was. Mm. I made a really good friend, the other, like, eighth grade science teacher, because I, I, I was just not in a good, like, headspace going into teaching. I was really looking forward to it, but that was just not not a great time, and... I knew I was going into a school with a lot of like behavior problems Mm. and I was not ready for that and so like having other people be like no you 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 can do this you you know the stuff you just need to like 
set your boundaries and that that helped me a lot mm. in that so sure. were those more emotional boundaries for yourself as far as like having to draw a line so that you weren't overextended and or were those boundaries in terms of being very clear about how you expect to be treated by you know by the kids like probably I would say a little bit of both like one a lot of it was like emotional boundaries and two like seventh graders are weird (laughs) yep (laughs) I mean I had a kid one day tell me they hated me and the next day they need me to open their locker and they're just they're weird Mm. so so I think like what was I going to this sounds about like tolerate as far as behavior but also like how much could I withstand emotionally Mm. so yeah yeah because I'm sure a little bit every like punch that you take some of those sort of hit different because you're you're like okay this person's just saying this because they're having a bad day but Mm -hmm. sometimes somebody might say something you're like shoot like there's a little bit of a teensy bit of truth there and like that really hurts maybe yes yeah definitely and it made me like check my privilege Mm. for Mm -hmm. sure I think that was a like good eye-opening of like I need to check what my privilege is Mm. are there any like a specific example where that was like a turning of the corner for you I think I I mean I, I don't know if I have one I think it was just lots of little things adding up of like things I hadn't really thought about before that I was like, man, I really needed to to check that. Mm-hmm. It was good, good learning experience for sure. Mm-hmm. And the eye opening in the sense that children are are growing up in completely different environments than maybe yeah. what you would have assumed or what you grew up in. And mm-hmm. yeah, and then that dynamic I don't think is maybe talked about enough or considered enough in how children proceed through academia whether it's good performance or bad performance they're not given maybe the support system that they need to have a good performance regardless of what their natural ability is yeah yeah like they're trying to figure out what they're gonna have for dinner or how they can get a side job as a seventh grader to support their family maybe Mm -hmm. yeah Maslow's hierarchy of needs really played a huge role in that of like if you don't have food water shelter like how are you going to learn anything right yeah so were there after school programs that you were involved I was not I thought it was super interesting when I was there they served like breakfast lunch dinner Sundays Mm. for students which I was like wow but they had they did a lot of sports after school but other than that there weren't a lot of like programs they at mm-hmm. that particular school. Yeah. So this sort of ties in well to what you've experienced with that with that first job in that environment and maybe what you might see through your clients in your job today as a, a counselor, but how what do you see the biggest challenge for parents? You know, whether I guess, like, environmental challenges in a maybe lower-income circumstance are going to be completely different than the parent or student body that you interface with today, but assuming, you know, the the student body you interface with today, like, those parents, what do you see as the biggest challenge? Mm. 
I mean, I think meeting basic needs is a huge challenge just because of like expense. I think it's really expensive to have a child. I mean, it's just, it's an added extra. Mm-hmm. I think in, in like high school, those things are a huge thing. But I, I mean, I'd also say like social media is a huge challenge for parents because I mean, I don't care how hard they try to monitor it. It's very difficult and kids are going to find a way around it, which is honestly crazy to me because I, I like think of all these kids that have told me, oh, my parents have these controls and then they have some better way to get around it, which I just think is just fascinating. And I'm like, it's not for lack of parenting. They just literally don't know that that's how you get around it because I wouldn't have known that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a humongous challenge is like just, I even think compared to like when we were in high school, like exposure to things is just so much more accessible. Mm, Whether that be, we we talked earlier, I guess that was last night about like how 13 Reasons that show sort of changed the conversation, I guess, about from a mental health perspective as far as what kids are like thinking about but I feel like also there's the bullying or competitive aspect that they might be faced with today that exposure to things at maybe such a younger age or maybe more severely than we ever we had competition like there's always the pretty girl on the popular group but I feel like now they can't get out of it I think what's scary now is like even for our age, like, people post things on social media. Well, social media is your highlight reel. Yeah. And when you compare your worst days to somebody's highlight reel, that's a very unfair comparison. Mm -hmm. And so I think in high school, it's hard to recognize that that that's what that is versus, Mm -hmm. like, oh, so-and-so is at this party or so-and-so is at this, and I wasn't invited. And I think that's really really hard because like even when we were in high school like Facebook was kind of sort of a thing Mm -hmm. but like we didn't know who was at what party you only knew if you got a text from somebody at the party right and so it's just different in Mm -hmm. that like that feeling of being left out that feeling of being not enough I think is way more prevalent comes up a lot more yeah, that feeling of not being enough and whether it's, whether it's like, I don't want to say true or not because, you know, everybody has their, their gifts and their purpose and like placement and time, you know, God has put somebody where they need to be, but it's like that feeling of I'm, I'm not enough because of something as little as not going being invited to a party like that's such a a small thing in the grand scheme of things but it's sort of life-changing or pivoting or could send somebody spiraling and I think those kinds of things feel huge when you're 15 oh for sure I mean I don't know about I was not the cool kid in high school I was like the nerd studying with my mom on Friday night Mm -hmm. like I was not cool and so I, I can relate to that feeling and empathize with that feeling of, like, who I wasn't invited to the party. And not because, like, I didn't have... I just thought wasn't my scene. Mm-hmm. And so 
I think now when people are posting photos all the time and yeah. that even if you're not somebody who would have been involved in that before now you're like well I'm being left out because I wasn't there mm. and so I wonder how that will play out like in the early adult years I don't know I'm kind of curious too because even when we were in college I feel like there was parties and we weren't involved in that but like I didn't know because there was nothing posted you know right and like now everyone posts everything or snapchat or be real or Mm -hmm. anything like that and so I think it's kind of different in that regard of like it just it's more in your face that you weren't there yeah do you see a difference with how your sister even there I feel like even that for your age gap maybe a lot changed with respect to social media do you do you did she experience maybe not to the severity that kids are experiencing today but did you see a difference with what she was going through versus you with that age difference or not not so Mm, much maybe a little bit I think she was like Anna also like loves social media and she's very like good at her her undergrad degrees in like marketing Mm. and so she's worked a lot on social media and like increasing follower count or this or that as far as like undergrad she went to a very different undergrad like her undergrad was a lot smaller so I think it was just kind of a different environment Mm -hmm. than Auburn and like for high school she yeah it was there but not really like my parents kind of kept a hold on like you weren't gonna register for that kind of stuff until you were in college got it yeah yeah which now like nobody we didn't have smartphones no even until like I didn't have a smartphone until I guess right before I went into college mm-hmm. I don't know. yeah I was in high, I was like maybe a freshman when I got an iPhone yeah yeah <laughs> I didn't have an Instagram until we were freshmen in college no I remember being like in the dorm room kitchen when I posted I remember the first thing I posted was two forks with a penny like balancing on the edge of a can <laughs> or something stupid like I was like oh physics <laughs> like, oh things are so different now I remember when snapchat you didn't have phones didn't have the front-facing camera anymore or before they had the front-facing camera. Yes. And Megan was, like, obsessed with, with Snapchat. Selfies. Yeah. hmm She was the Snapchat queen, but... So, what would be... I guess, with the students that you see on a daily basis or the common challenges you see children or friends or whomever face, like, what would... Oh, and based on your experience terms of what you know now going into year 30 versus where we were then what words of encouragement or wisdom would you maybe flow down I think like one thing is definitely just be kind to yourself Mm. like be okay with if every single thing wasn't the best thing you could have done be okay to fail and kind of figure out what you're going to do with that Mm. and don't be afraid to try something you think you're going to be bad at Mm. yeah it's really beautiful is there something that you were you thought you were going to be bad at but tried anyway and it was a surprising result I definitely thought I was going to be bad at like being 
a therapist my mom was one and I was like I'm just like I don't think I can do that like I don't think I can like provide anything to Mm -hmm. anyone that they don't already know Mm -hmm. so I think that for me was probably the the thing I was like I'm not gonna be good at this I can't do this Mm -hmm. yeah and look at you now (laughs) Doing something. Changing lives. <laughs> You're changing lives. <laughs> okay, so we'll move into a few rapid fire questions, maybe a little little more lighthearted, but if money was no object and you didn't have to worry about anything in terms of like meals or food or whatever was home life, anything, like what would your perfect day look like and where would it be? Ooh. Probably my favorite day ever, and so I, I would probably do something like this, is we did a catamaran in Mykonos, and it, that the ocean was just, like, like, crystal clear. You could see all the way to the bottom, and it was really just relaxing, and my family was there. I would add my husband now. But I think just, like, being with family and friends on a boat and, like, in the ocean, that Mm -hmm. would be my perfect day. I love that. Do you think you'll always live close to family? I do. I mean, my family is probably, like, my number one thing. Mm -hmm. And probably my biggest weakness is I'll do anything for my family and friends. Mm -hmm. So, yes. (laughs) How do you recharge from that, from when you when you overpour out like how do you recharge I think Andrew helps me do that a lot Andrew's my husband and he and I both are are kind of introverted we talked about this earlier and so he's very okay to just like be I, I hate to say sharing air but that's kind of what it is just like be in the same space with me and be quiet and be just like just be mm-hmm. that's probably how I recharge mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find it easier when, like, having that example, like, it's okay to just be here and be silent, I feel like? I think that was learned, for Mm. sure, like, in the last three years, because we both lived alone prior to being married, and both of us are just inherently kind of quiet people, and so that's how I recharged when I live by myself, it's just like, either sitting and reading or watching TV or just like doing something kind of mindless and so to be able to do that with somebody else is kind of nice so like Mm. okay we're just gonna sit here and read and then we'll yeah yeah it's like validating that like this is okay this is okay (laughs) yeah yeah is there so you've been off social media since February and now it's July yuck I this year this sounds so cliche and dumb, but I feel like this year has gone faster than any other year in my life. This year has gone fast. Yeah. Is there, what is, I guess, your biggest takeaway or, I guess, something that surprised you about, you started to get off just for Lent, right? And mm-hmm. then not really with the intention of staying off, but mm-hmm. what's something that sort of surprised you about that? You can fill your time with other things, <laughs> <laughs> I think was a huge one. I think the other thing was I you're going to keep in touch with the people you're going to keep in touch with like just because you were following someone on social media doesn't mean you're really friends mm. or you're going to keep up with them 
And if people really want you to know their big news, they'll text you mm-hmm. or call you. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's something that I feel like unintentionally happened between you and me is like we had more intentional texting conversations because I wasn't sending you dumb memes or mm-hmm. reels or whatever. Like we were, whenever we did talk, it was more serious than like, hey, look at this funny thing. I would agree with that. I think for me, like Instagram became like a place that I was like, oh, I'm going to look at this like funny in between like talking to people or doing this. It was like, oh, this is going to be my downtime. Mm-hmm. And then it turned into like, I'm going to compare myself to all these other people that are doing all these fun things. And I was like, why am I not doing these fun things? But I was. I just wasn't posting them. Mm -hmm. And so I think when I took that away of, like, I don't need to see everybody else's pictures, then I was just taking photos of things that we did as a family just for me Mm -hmm. instead of being like, ooh, I'm going to show all these fun things we did. Right, yeah. It almost... I feel like you sort of go back to the way that capturing moments was before social media in a sense where we would take like silly photos or something that maybe wasn't perfectly curated. You're just Mm -hmm. capturing a moment to save it for later, not not with the intention of I'm capturing this so that other people can see it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The 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 whole reason behind like taking photos or any of that kind of mm-hmm. return to like, well, these are for me. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna put these up in my home or I just want to have them. It's very different. Right. Yeah. It's almost more a more like an overall more positive mindset and maybe less not vindictive is not the right word, but there is that sort of like I'm going to show them kind of, like, vibe behind it. Like, I actually, like, I I kind of got the idea from my friend Amy, your friend Amy, we know Amy from college. She, after she had her first child, she was like, I just can't deal with, like, all the moms in comparison. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. And she's like, I'm just not going to do social media anymore. And I was like, okay, like, I don't know about that, like... I kind of like it. It's fun. It's my way to connect with people. And then it was getting to a point where I was like, wow, like, I I feel like I'm either posting things to see how many people look at it, mm-hmm. or I'm looking at all these people's things and comparing my life to theirs. And I was like, I mean, that's not fair to me either. Mm. So, yeah. And it takes... I I feel like it takes strength to not revert back because I feel like when you get into a habit of something, whether it be social media or, like, alcohol, maybe in some settings, you you make these grooves in your brain that it's hard to, even if you take a break from alcohol or social media, I don't know, I'm Mm -hmm. trying to make stuff up, but, like, it's hard to, even though you've gotten out of that groove for a certain amount of time, it takes a lot of strength to stay out of that groove as well. I'll be honest with you, once you're out of it for a little bit, you don't really miss it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, if really, if somebody really wanted me to know what they were doing, they would call me or text me. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes your, your circle a little bit smaller, mm-hmm. which I think our generation has gotten accustomed to this, like, lar- if you don't have tons of friends, like, you're not popular or whatever, I just... 
I think it shows you like these are the people that I actually keep in touch with not just like look at their highlight reel on Facebook or Instagram I feel like the same the same thing bleeds across maybe even to the news as well like I feel like growing we grew up in uh era where there was the constant news cycle and if you didn't know what was going on you were out of the loop or out of touch and disconnecting from all of that shows you like it's okay that I don't know the latest thing going on in tech or I don't know whatever like it's like you're still thriving in your smaller world and that's yeah I think, like, all that to say, like, Instagram and Facebook and any sort of social media, like, actually is so cool, and it is a great way to, like, keep in touch with tons of people. Mm -hmm. I think, for me, it was getting to a point where it just, like, didn't feel very healthy. I think there's a lot of people that, like, thrive in social, and, like, they love that ability to stay connected, and I think that's it, it, or really what it was made for. Right. So, I think... Just being able to monitor, like, is this good for me and what is it not? Mm, yeah, how, take, doing that self-inventory of how is this impacting. And not not even just with social media. It could be anything. Like, is this the right thing for me, regardless of how it feels in the moment? Like, is this sustainable or healthy, mm-hmm. whatever, long-term? What is this turning me into? But what is... Okay, so I guess what what is your guilty pleasure like TV show? Any, like anything. anything. Oh, I love Real Housewives. I love <laughs> Bravo. Like, Bravo, Bravo. liberties. liberties I, love I, love, I love a good reality TV show. Did you follow the drama of when the person got cheated on? And oh, from was that Vanderpump Rules? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I watched a little bit of I just love those shows. Like, yeah. They're about nothing, but I love them. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's so sort of mindless. For and, sure. Yeah, I love that. And I love, like, the confidence in it. Like, this is oh, it's so fun to watch. It just What is, I guess, a non-negotiable in it, whether it's a morning routine or evening routine or just something that, I guess, is grounding for you? I don't know about non-negotiable or grounding. Like, for me, like, contacts, like, morning and evening. Like, I'm going to put them in so I can see, and then I'm going to take them out so I can't. Yeah. But I, I feel like, for me, that's been a routine for so long. Like, if I didn't do it, it would feel weird. Mm. So that's probably contacts. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever accidentally sleep in your contacts? Or mm-hmm. no? <laughs> you're you're really got it. It's structured. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Do you ever take your contacts out early to be, like, done with the day yes. earlier? Yes. Yeah. You yeah. have, like, pretty bad eyesight, right? I do. Indeed. Yeah. And, like, that was as a child, Yeah, right? I've been wearing contacts since I was four. Oh, my gosh. How do you... Does your sister have wear glasses? She wears glasses, but... Which her eyes are actually worse now than they probably were when she was younger. Um, mm. But, yeah, my dad would put my contacts in when I was four. <laughs> That's crazy. Take them out. Do they have, I guess, computers or, or tools to tell you... Because as, as a four-year-old, you can't really communicate the way that you can I knew all my letters and stuff so I could do all the spelling charts okay okay so it works the same way basically yeah that's so crazy you said you were reading one of your new year's resolutions was to read more this year do you have a favorite book that you've read I really liked like as far as like self-help books I really 
enjoy the mountain is you and the subtle art of not giving an F. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Andrew and I read that together because we were like, ah, we're going to read together. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you feel like really you good. had takeaways there? I Sorry, I interrupted you. From the subtle art, I felt like my takeaway was like, you, you should care about the things that you value Mm. and if it's something that you value then it's worth putting the effort in whether that's friendships or family or work like that you should put in the effort because that's obviously something that you value Mm. Hmm. the mountain is you is more I think for me just like reinforcement and like cognitive behavioral therapy of like thoughts feelings behaviors and mm-hmm. how those all connect so I don't know if I have a great takeaway from that book mm-hmm. but and then I've read some like fiction books which have been fun do you switch back and forth between fiction and not fiction or do you just mm, my goal this year has been to read like one of each each month mm-hmm. it's not been quite what has happened mm-hmm. I just read one fiction book that was really good which was the people we keep oh very good yeah Yeah. oh that's i will put that on my list yeah i've also read this book i think it was over a year ago at this point called the german wife oh how was that it was really good it was do you know what it's about Mm -hmm. it's about this it's set in maybe the 50s, right after World War II, and it's about a German husband and wife who moved to Huntsville, Alabama, because the husband was part of the space program. Oh, wow. And he's, you know, was recruited to be where he is, but that doesn't mean integration into Huntsville, Alabama as mm-hmm. a German post-World War II is easy or accepting and it's a really beautiful story of, it. I think it's based on a lot of truth and there's you can tell that the author did a lot of research about what World War II and post-World War II environment was like, but it's a really beautiful story of that relationship sort of changing for the better, but also very eye-opening to the real terrors and horrors that happened in World War II and post and even outside of war times, just what families experienced. It was, it was really good. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay, my last question for you is, well, I have two more, maybe a few more questions for you. What is one thing that you are most proud of? I'm probably most proud of like my marriage and the and the family like we've built. I would love to say like a career accomplishment or like something I did with diving, but I think that's probably at this point that's what I'm most proud of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never really even thought about. I was like, oh, this would be a really interesting <laughs> question, but I never really thought about what that answer was. But I think. Mm, this is about you but not about me not about me but I'm gonna answer the question for myself anyway it's just like how my mindset's shifted even in the last year like Mm -hmm. how important mental health is that's a good one and yeah and how 
how much kind of what you were saying earlier how much people can really handle and take on and change and that change is possible yeah yeah what is one thing you would change about yourself Hmm. we kind of we touched on this like when we were chatting earlier today and I don't think necessarily like I would go back and redo this I think like now maybe my the things that I value and the things that I think are really important are maybe different at 30 than they were at 22 and so maybe I, I would have changed like some of the choices I made as far as like graduate school or things like that right out of college but I don't know if I really like regret that or would change that because like I think I'm better at things now because of those things so I don't know that's a hard question Mm -hmm. it's a good question is there anything that you so I mean maybe maybe it's more surface level maybe it's not but how you set out to have a goal of reading more this year are there things that you're kind of thinking about focusing on in the next decade of I mean or next two years maybe great question I think one I I used to I love to read and I think I felt like I ran out of time for it but really it wasn't a priority at that time Mm -hmm. and so I think when I now like I wasn't reading for school anymore and I'm somebody I like to read at work like I like to look up things to like find evidence to base off what I'm gonna do so I'm, I'm a big reader and and I think for me I was like looking for something that not necessarily like a hobby but just a way to like turn my brain off for a little bit mm-hmm. and so I was like I need to do I need something else like I'm not a craft person I like yeah, yeah I you know I I want to be really into exercise but that's been a a challenge like mental health wise so I think reading was like okay like Mm -hmm. I can handle some books yeah yeah and you learn so much that you don't even realize even if you read all of the fiction books in the world you're going to come away so much more educated than you're even intending to just because you're learning how different people construct sentences or tell stories or whatever and even if it's not a mindless escape that's not it's it's stronger than that but even if the intent is to relax or Mm -hmm. enjoy it you're still going to learn so much from that yes yeah for sure is there one thing that you're looking forward to this year I think for me I'm looking forward to like doing one job well (laughs) Zia knows that like I've worked multiple jobs at the same time like I've taught undergrad or like at a community college I've been a therapist at more than one school and so for me I'm like I'm looking forward to getting to focus and like calm down a little bit and just be more centered I think in one one place yeah oh yeah I'm excited for that for you it's Oh, so well-deserved. Thank you so much for your time and willingness and openness to talk about this. This was so fun. Thanks for having me. So I think that's it, and we'll talk next time. This is also 
certainly not the last time you will be on this podcast. So, so exciting. We, you have a repeat guest for everything else. Thank you.